The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi y'all, I'm Chris Armstrong. How you doing Bears fans? This is Greg Braggs Jr. Welcome back into the Bears Hopium Den, our summer podcast series on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast Network. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron. We're now halfway through the podcast series after this episode. We're planning 10 still. We are finally after the 4th of July weekend, which I think is great because we have football by the end of this month. We have <laughs> finally hit the calendar where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. By the end of this month, we're going to be at training camp and we're going to start talking about this team and what it actually looks like on the field. We're not going to just talk in hypotheticals anymore. We're going to see some real action here. So that's exciting. Today's conversation is really exciting for me to share with you guys. I really love talking to these two people. Greg Braggs, I think a lot of people know who he is. Even if they didn't know his name, they probably saw him when they were at Soldier Field running around. My personal theory is that there are multiple Greg Braggs, because I'm not quite sure how he is in so many locations at the same time. So so I'm on the lookout for that. I want to see if there's a doppelganger or a body double the next time uh next time I go to Soldier Field. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the lookout. He has made his brand off of being a super fan. And that is basically what he has created into his own podcast and and the angle that he brings when he goes to camp and when he goes to Soldier Field. He is basically created an identity off of being a super fan and i thought he would be a perfect person to bring on the hopium den to get his take any time that you bring on someone like greg you really need a counterbalance chris armstrong really provides that strong counterbalance to someone like greg they're constantly going back and forth on on twitter chris is an incredibly intelligent fan she knows her stuff I really enjoy interacting with Chris on Twitter and uh, with some of my articles over the years. Uh, she's She's been really great. She provides good insight. She's very sound in, in her thinking, but she is also a huge super fan herself. And so I thought, let's bring these two on and have a conversation in the Hopium Den and see what that sounds like. And, and going back and editing this, I was so pleased with how it turned out. <laughs> these these two are very entertaining together. There's a good back and forth. Um, I did have to edit for time because because when you get these two in a room, they just keep going. And so uh, this is most of our conversation from from back in May. I hope you enjoy it. Chris speaks first. Chris Armstrong one 
that's Chris with a K on Twitter. And uh, I'm excited to be here uh, with the guys today, uh, with Jeff and with Greg. Greg, of course, is a great, uh, great guy on Twitter to follow. So it's exciting to be here with him. And uh, gosh, yeah, definitely I, cut that out. I think we're going to cut that out too. <laughs> yeah, I told him I'd be nice. Um, I needed my one compliment. I got it now. You got it there, Greg. Now I can focus. You can focus now. Um, you may know me from my show slash podcast called Brags and Stands or my ridiculousness on Bears Twitter, uh, trying to hold down the crazies on, on the mean streets of Twitter. Other than that, you find me at Soldier Field or in the stands at training camp at Hallis Hall or at Bourbon A. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this and I appreciate you having me on today. I used to write articles, fan articles back in the um, uh, early 2000s on when Windy City Gridiron was first in like in the you know uh, Jay Cutler days I used to like write fan articles you the they probably oh I don't know gosh. if you can find those anymore but I, I remember I wrote one that was called leave Jay Cutler alone because people were being really hard on him his first year here because Brian Erlocker had some not so nice words for him when he first came in and uh, and then everyone made fun of me, like sounding like a Britney Spears fan, a uh, fanatic, like leave Jay alone. <laughs> <laughs> then I wrote one hype article about Mark Bradley. Uh, oh, <laughs> that didn't boy. work out. <laughs> You're like, I need a new website after this. <laughs> yeah, I lost it. Yeah, I lost, I lost the audience after that one. <laughs> like every superhero, a super fan has an origin story. So what is your origin story, Chris? Um, my origin story is that we only got three channels um, and the Bears were on CBS. That's there's it? more, but no, there's <laughs> more. But actually my mom was a huge football fan. So we watched, my mother and I watched football together every Sunday and she was, she was a Bears fan. That's, that's why I love them. And of course I was, I was growing up just as Walter Payton was coming in. And so it's like, Oh, who is this guy? And I was hooked. That helps. What was that like for you, Chris, when, like, if Walter was kind of like your starting block and, like, I had my starting block players, but my dream, like, when I grew up, you know, I grew it. I was born into the Michael Jordan era, so he was just winning championships, and I just thought that that's how it was supposed to be for all my teams and all my players that I rooted for. But you, you know, were – you kind of grew up with Walter. He hadn't won one yet. What was that like when it got to the 85 season – it was and, outstanding. I was in I was in college. Yep, I was in college, old enough. Um, did it ever get to a point where you were worried that he wouldn't win one with the no. Bears? No, I was young and naive. Yeah. <laughs> my, oh. my, my goal in life actually was to be Dick Butkus when I was a kid. Um, so that may be more telling than talking about Walter winning a championship. <laughs> sure. What about you, Greg? Oh, for me, like I mentioned, you know, I, I did, you know, I was born in 85, so I was two months old when the Bears won their Super Bowl. So that's not really a, a memory for me. Although when, you know, I got into elementary school, obviously the Bears were, you know, everything. It's a Bears town and I'm a Chicago sports fan. I was born into the teams that I root for, the Bulls, the Bears, the Cubs. And that was because of my dad and my, and my mom, you know, um, my mom is such a passionate sports fan or, you know, at least took us to a lot of games, more baseball than anything. Cause you know, it was expensive to go to bears or bulls games 
for us back then, but we'd go to a lot of baseball games in the summer. But, um, you know, Michael Jordan ruled the 90s. So that's what started sports for me, like the crazed sports fandom that I have today. But then I, you know, I'd watch the Bears, you know, you just root for the Bears. But in the 90s, they were, you know, they had one year where they made the playoffs. And But I I started to, like, really become a fanatic when they got, like, Curtis Enos and Marcus Robinson. I remember thinking Marcus Robinson was going to be just as good as Randy Moss. And that was the start of my letdowns. But then when Brian Urlacher and, and Mike Brown were drafted, that their rookie year, there was a few games that year, one against the Colts. I know everyone remembers Mike Brown's pick sixes back-to-back weeks, but they had one game against the Colts where Erlocker and Mike Brown both laid guys out across the middle, and I'll never forget it. And that, like, the next week I was asking my mom to buy me an Erlocker jersey, you know, because you could just tell at that point. Because at first when you draft him, like, oh, let's see how this guy is, you don't, you're not hyping guys up at that point. You're just kind of hoping. And that was when it really started was the Urlacher era. You know, all the years before that, I was just a Bears fan. But then a fanatic was when Urlacher came in and Mike Brown. And then, you know, training camp moved to Bourbonnet, which is only like 35 minutes from my house. And once I started driving, you know, I'd, I'd get there much faster about speeding and, that's when it really became a love for me was going to training camp and Devin Hester and peanut Tillman and those guys. I mean, I was already well into it as far as a real fanatic for the team, but then when they started getting good in the lovey Smith era and going to training camp every year and seeing these just legends all over the field, Olin Krutz, you know, peanut Tillman, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Devin Hester, you know, it was, it was, that was when it really turned into what it is today for me as a Bears fan. Hey, hey, Jeff, I would really just add, as far as becoming an actual fanatic, that would be um, the day that Charles Martin body slammed Jim McMahon. Hmm. And the hatred has grown within me and has sustained me for all these years, not only just to hate the Packers, but to love the Bears. So this is kind of related, but take this in a different way if you want how does this what does this team mean to you and and i think you know there's your origin story and then there's you know how you've grown up with it and and how that's impacted but like you know i think as someone who's really into the bears and on bears twitter and all that like it's it's part of your daily life it's part of certainly part of your falls so what is it that about this team and what does this team mean to you go ahead chris oh thanks greg um wow um it mean it means a lot. They're almost um, they're almost like a tangential family, um, in that like this very large set of cousins over here that play football, and that I'm super duper interested in what they're doing, and I'm you know I'm intense about it, and I'm involved in it, and you know I love talking with other fans about it. It's great to hear other perspectives, crazy as they may be, um, but it, it's just. Yeah, I, I just love it. I mean, I played sports and, you know, I'm old and broken now, so I don't play sports anymore. So, and I was never obviously able to play football, but this really takes that part of me that's the old jock and kind of transfers it, you know, to my love of the bears. Like, come on, let's go. You know, when people say bear down, I mean it. I mean, bear, bear down. Don't, 
don't be a weenie, don't whip out. Things might not be great, but go get them. Let's go. So, yeah, heck yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, this team means a lot. You know, sp- sports is my my release. Sports is where I go. You know, it's been my whole life. You know, like somebody was talking about, like, you know, things you were into as a kid. And I was like, well, I guess I was into the ter- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was really little. And then a couple years later, I was really into sports. And I've never grown out of that. Never. Like some people grow out of it and do other things. Like I'll see some people be like, oh, I used to watch sports all the time. And now I just don't have the time for it. And I try to imagine, because now I have a four-year-old kid, so I can kind of see where that, how that could become a reality for some people. But I just don't see it in my future. I think I will always be a sports fan. I, you know, it's ingrained in me. So it's really, it, it, you know, it, that's, you know, for me, what does they mean to me? It's, it's part of my blood. It's my DNA to be a sports fan, be a bears fan. And this team in particular is the, the golden goose that I continue to chase now, you know, everybody wanted to see the Cubs win a world series and they finally got it done after 108 years you know, he had to go through some trials and tribulations. And as a young fan, I was like, Oh, they're going to win one soon. I wasn't worried about it. And then I, you know, had to go through the Bartman year and that was like, okay, it's like, you got to go through that as a fan. Right. And, and for, for me as a bears fan now for 35 years, 36 years, I can't remember how old I am anymore. It's the one championship I haven't seen. Everyone talks about the 85 bears. They don't resonate with me because I didn't watch them play. I can appreciate what they did. And, you know, we see the highlights nonstop. I can appreciate who Walter Payton is for the Chicago Bears franchise, but I didn't watch him play, you know, and people get mad at me when I say that, but like, to me, you can't, I can't truly love something that I didn't, you know, live myself, you know? And so, you know, I can appreciate it and respect it because history and tradition is everything in the, in the city of Chicago with their sports, and so, but at the same time, like I need this Super Bowl championship and we got there. And for me, like I asked Chris, you know, like with Walter to win a Super Bowl, like for me, when Devin has to return the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl, it was the greatest moment for me as a Bears fan ever. He was my guy of all the guys I've had. He was my guy as I called it. I told people the day we drafted him, the minute we drafted him, my buddy, a huge Panther fan, I go, this dude is going to revolutionize the game of football. It was literally the words I said because I had watched him so much at Miami. He had dynamic kick returns at Miami, and we needed a kick returner really bad that year. We had just lost to the Panthers in the playoffs the year before, and we had uh, our return game was non-existent. It was it was to a point where we had guys that couldn't even catch punts, like like to fair catch them. We were like fumbling punts, and they were critical moments in the game. And I would like lose my mind over this. And now we get this dude that's not only can catch them, but take them back to the house in these incredible ways. And he started to prove me right as the season started. I bought his jersey before the year even started. And then as the year went on, everyone has jerseys. So then I bought his college jersey because I was like, he was my claim to fame. I'm like, this guy, I called it. And then, you know, the Super Bowl comes around and I look at my buddy Pete, who's like my rival fan. And I looked at him, I go, if Devin Hester returns this kickoff or a touchdown, I'm going to kill you. And he returns it to the house and I chased him around the room for it felt like 20 minutes, you know, and I'm just like in a daze. And, 
then they they don't win it. You you just assume at that point they're gonna win it because it was just fate. And then they don't, and then there it is. It's like the Bartman moment. You kind of have to you have to go through the trials and tribulations before you get there. And like I said, uh, everything to me goes off of Jordan. So I'm like, well, you got to climb the ladder. So now they got to this point, and now they're gonna win one eventually. Well, they never did. Brian Urlacher and Devin Hester and Briggs and. All these guys, Peanut Tillman, they all leave, and we never win one. And that was so sad for me as a Bears fan. And now we've kind of just kind of been muddying through the waters since then with all these different players that you try to invest in like you did with that group, and none of them can even facilitate the love that you really had for those guys who were here for 10 years. So it's just like chasing this thing that we – we want so badly. And then the double doink happens. And I was in the stadium for that. And it was, you know, it was the Bartman moment, you know, losing the Super Bowl was tough. The double doink was 10 times harder than that because of just the circumstances to me, Uh, you know, the Super Bowl sucked, but you're like, well, this team's got years to go forward. And I guess you felt the same way to an extent with that team, but with the 2018 team, but, you know, so, you know, this, it means a lot to me to have them win a Super Bowl. You know, I, if they ever get there, I'm going to go, I'm going to spend 5,000 plus dollars to go to the game. And that's a big risk. You know, I went to the world series when the Cubs, uh, you know, I went to game five of the world series cost me about 400 bucks to sit in the bleachers. I know how much it's going to cost me to go if they get to the Super Bowl, but I'm going to do it but they got to win it if I go, you know? And so, cause I don't think I'm going to be able to go again. <laughs> so I'm not rich. So, but that's how big, that's how much they mean to me is I'm willing to put up my hard earned money, you know, from the money I make laying bricks to go do stuff like that, experience stuff in the stands like that. That's my dream is to be there when they win the Super Bowl. So, you know, that's how much they mean to me. Hey, Jeff, I'm sorry. I would just add, since Braggs keeps talking about the Cubs, as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I know what it's like to be the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Juxtapose that with being a Bears fan. Right. It's it's a bit of a killer. Well, that's, that's what I mean with the Bulls. And I was yeah. young and dumb and, and, and right? naive, but that's what it was like with the Bulls. Yep. You know, and as a young fan, you're like, well, this is just how it is. <laughs> then he retires and you're like, oh man, this is not how it is. And you really learn to appreciate those kind of players when they come around, you know. Let me let me move on. You, you guys kind of touched on players in the first couple comments, but I, I want to ask this as a pointed question. And that is like, who is your favorite player that you've all time? And you can answer like, this guy was cool to study as like a, you know, I never really watched him, but you know, someone I, I care about or this is the favorite guy that I ever watched but then I also want you to say guys on the current roster who's your favorite uh all-time favorite um it's it's Butkus I mean I've wa- I went to Illinois um and I, I've watched tape from him in college and in the pros he was just amazing and he was doing that on Swiss cheese knees mm-hmm. I mean his ability to move quickly and with force at that time. I mean, he brought speed with power, you know, 20, 25 years really before that became a thing with most linebackers. I mean, he was really ahead of his time with his ability. He was great at diagnosing plays. He was great at the run game. He could drop. 
Erlacher like he could drop back um, and his coverage skills were great. And he was a nasty bleep. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was just great just for him, that attitude. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. That's a bear. That right. is a Chicago bear right there. Currently on the current roster, I was going to say Jesper Horstead, but that ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I am interested in seeing um, um, Jaquan Brisker and see what he becomes. I, I think he's going to be, I don't really have a favorite right now. I think he has a chance to be my favorite because I think he can be a Mike Brown kind of guy, kind of that, that glue yeah. guy, that leader from the secondary, which um, we don't have. And really we haven't had since Mike Brown. So um, I'm really excited to see what he becomes as he, as he goes through his career with Chicago. Yeah, for me, it's no question Devin Hester, and that I don't think that answer will ever change. Uh, you know, I, I mean, unless Justin Fields leads us to five straight Super Bowls or something like Devin Hester to me, like there's just very few players to ever play any sport that can say they revolutionized the game, and he is one of those players. And to me, to him, for him to not be a first ballot Hall of Fame Hall of Famer when he can say that he revolutionized the game. Like I said, try to name like who Walter, you know, Jim Brown, uh, Barry Sanders, you know, most of the guys that can say they revolutionized the game, Tom Brady, uh, that did things that have never been done before. Tom Brady playing for four, you know, till he's 50, you know, and, and these other guys, you know, doing th- these are guys that had the ball in their hand all the time. Devin Hester had very rarely had the ball in his hand and was able to make that kind of an impact on the game. You'll never see that again, especially now with the kickoff rules being changed. And people forget that he didn't return kicks till like halfway through his rookie season. They were like not returning kicks with him for some reason. And then when he started doing that, then it was like double time his rookie year. And that it like his first two years in the league alone could get, could have got him in the hall of fame. And yeah, he had a little lull there, while they were kicking away from him, which I would argue, and I know a guy like Jack Silverstein could also make this argument a lot stronger than me with the, the details, that his impact, even when he wasn't returning kicks, was just as profound as when he did return them to the house. He had 20, 25 kicks that were, or kickoff return, pump returns, where he was tackled inside the five, where he had huge returns and he was just tackled right before the end zone, or else those are touchdowns. I don't forget any of them. He had at least eight to 10 touchdowns called back one being in the playoffs in their first round against the Seattle Seahawks, an unbelievable touchdown that brought the house down and they called it back on a push in the back. That wasn't even close to affecting the play. You know, I, I remember every step he ever took. This guy made this cool little graphic of all his touchdown routes I remember I could literally point to each one and tell you each one, what each one of them, what each game of them were. I mean, I was obsessed. I made a DVD of his, of his highlights and gave it to him, you know, uh, uh, back in the day at camp. And then I gave it to him again at a signing uh, just a couple years ago. He, you know, he knows because I harassed him just constantly at camp because I was just in love with this guy. I, that's who I am is the guy who harasses people, you know. So, you know, I, Devin Hester – it, it will always be that answer. No one will 
first player to ever return a Super Bowl touchdown. And he Ted Ginn can thank him for being a top 10 pick in the NFL a couple months after that because Devin Hester does that. Ted Ginn returns the opening kickoff for Ohio State, and then he gets picked seventh. He can thank Hester for that. You know, um, just everything he did. And then the way he ended his career, I know it was a, on another team with the Seahawks, but he had like eight kick returns in that game alone in the playoffs. And they were all unbelievable. And it just, I, it's from start to finish, you'll never see anything like that. Dante Hall, Josh Cribbs, Deion Sanders, maybe if he had been full time, probably could have been close to replicating what Devin did because they moved the same. But no one will ever hold the resume. Gail Sayers had an unbelievable career. Maybe if he had stayed healthy. But Devin Hester passed Gale Sayers' numbers by his second year as a Bear. Gale Sayers in the Hall of Fame. So Devin Hester is the question, with the answer without question. And then my current favorite all-time, or my, my current favorite for this Bears team, and that's a tough one. I mean, you want it to be Justin Fields, right? It, you know, he's our guy. He's the, he's the one that gives us the hope in this hopium den that we're in, you know, I mean, the other players, you you know, you could talk about Darnell Mooney or David Montgomery have a lot of respect for the way he plays the game and carries himself. Uh, Roquan Smith probably would be the answer, right? I mean, he's kind of like Brian Urlacher and how fast he is sideline to sideline. I mean, you saw the pick six against Joe Burrow last year, you know, the ability to catch it and, run to the house with it and stay behind his blockers um, sounding like he's due for another, maybe even a bigger year this year from the reports we're hearing of how he's playing right now. Uh, it's probably Roquan. I know Greg, you go to a lot of games, but what, what do you guys have any rituals? Do, you know, do you wear the same thing if they're winning like that kind of stuff? You know, do are you, are you, do you like, do you prefer the couch you know, do, do you, what, how do you watch games and, and what kind of rituals do you have? Well, um, well, I suppose you could call it a ritual, uh, Jeff. I watch from the same spot on the couch, you know, every game until it starts going badly. And then I'll move to the other side of the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I suppose, uh, I suppose that's my only ritual. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, I always wear bears Jersey, um, you, know, do you switch it up or same jersey all year? I, or what? I switch them up. I'm buying a personalized one this year, so I'm going to stop switching them up because my last few picks have been uh, uh, Khalil Mack and um, Anthony Miller, who I thought oh, was so you're the huge. one. I thought he was going to be a huge star. I really did. Um, and so, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you know, I have my spot on the couch and, and let's go. Um, also, my husband and I do not watch games together unless we're actually in the stadium together because he can't stand sitting next to me because <clears throat> I yell <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, I'm known for going to for being in the stands. That's I mean, even before it became a podcast part of my life, it was that's what I live for is going to the game, you know, and, and feeling that energy when I go to a baseball game. I root for the walk-off home run. I don't care what the score is. I'm like in the back of my head. I'm like, come on, let's get it close so we can have the dramatics. Uh, when I, you know, I used to only go to one bears game a year. So when I did, I want, you know, I, I guess when I was younger, I'd pick 
a game where I felt like they were going to win because Bears games were expensive. So you're like, oh, you know, we can see them play the Packers. That might be fun, but it's uh, let's let's see them play the Lions. Yeah, it's like at home I watch, you know, uh, my when I was a kid I had this buddy that had two TVs in his room. He's like a you know, a gadget master. So I was always obsessed with the idea of having, you know, 10 TVs in one room. So when I'm at home I've got all these games on and then the Bears on the main screen. But yeah, most of the time when I'm going to the games it starts the ritual is, you know, it, you know, I, I'm friends with a lot of people in the Chicago Bears tailgating club. Uh, they have a parking lot that they always rent out. It's been in different places. It used to be at the McCormick lot. Now it's in a different place on Wabash and Cermak. And I have this these friends, the Mahalskis, that have a an RV, and they've been tailgating for almost 40 years, 35 years. And I go with them, Ken and Matt Mahalski, and they get there at before the sun comes up. And it's a lot of fun. You know, they're cooking breakfast, then they're – cooking lunch or whatever night games it can get real out of hand because you're there for a lot of hours and there's drinking all throughout the day they smoke a pig uh and it's not just one rv there's like 12 14 rvs and and ambulances and all these different buses that are decked out um it's it's a lot of fun to be around all the bears fans before a game like that it always like to be one of the first in something i've discovered over maybe the last like five years it, you, if you get if you're one of the first in, nobody's in because everyone wants to tailgate till right till noon and get as many drinks as they can. But now that I've kind of given that part of my life up, and I don't drink as much when I go to the games, I want to be the first one in because you there's so much to see. You know, when you, you go to a baseball game, people are in early to watch the players warm up. Well, it's the same thing at a football game; they're all out there. Uh, I am. You you mentioned superstition. I am extremely superstitious. I'll wear the same stuff, you know, if I feel like it's helping, you know, um, you know, all that. I'm not, I'm very superstitious. I try not to be because like once it gets in my head. Jeff, I, I do want to, um, yeah. and this will lead into your question here. I do want to give a counterpoint to Bragg's here. Um, at some point um, we realize that we're built now for comfort and not speed. So when we, when we go to a game, it's more of, there's no tailgating. We stay at our we stay at our favorite hotel. We walk to the game. Love being downtown. Love Soldier Field. Love it. But when we go, we get um, we get some really good seats in the, in the United Club. So we are the anti tailgaters. Maybe I don't know. We we do the brunch. We do the whole thing. You know, we sit in two hundred nine, um, and it's just for us. It's part of that it's the ritual now of us walking to the game. It's going in for the brunch. It's meeting the people it's getting out in the stands. It's having a terrific view and really just soaking in that atmosphere and enjoying it as not just a game, but like as a Chicago bears event. I mean, it's, it, it just kind of feel, it fills you. Right. It's just football. Yep. Yeah. So comfort, not speed, um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely, um, in a different, uh, little category there as far as, as far as in-game experience. What do you think about the new thought of the rumors with Arlington Heights and, and building a new stadium? Is that something that interests you? Or are you, are you 
interested in the Bears having a new stadium. They, they better put a retractable roof on it is all I have to say. When, when the Bears do win and it's January and the snow is blowing and it's a playoff game, I better see snowflakes floating through that stadium. (laughs) Remember back, remember in 2006 and there's that, you know, the guys playing in the snow and it's just, it's, it's, it's football. Some teams are made to play outdoors. The bears are one of them. The bears, the Packers, the Browns, you know, the Patriots, you know. So you would put a retractable roof on and then have a requirement that it's taken off when it snows. That is correct. Yeah, it, it's going to open up. It's going to snow. We're going to win um, the NFC Championship game. It'll be awesome. I like that idea, and I've said that too. And I don't. We've never seen anybody do that yet. You know, anybody that gets a dome, you know, they don't have that option in the cold weather stadiums of retractable roof and opening it when the cold when the when the winter conditions come in. Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, when the Bears beat the Saints in the NFC Championship, yep. you know that. They're from New Orleans. They come up here in the cold, and now all of a sudden it's not the, you know, the high-flying offense that they're used to. Obviously, we, you know, let the grass grow as high as we can, too. That's a, that's another part of it, uh, you know, to slow up them wide receivers and running backs a little bit. But, no, I'm with you, Chris. I I, I think that's a, a great idea. But you can finish. I didn't mean to cut it, you No, off. that's fine. I, I, honestly, I think it's part of being a Bears fan. And it's not good lord. Take your big coat for heaven's sakes. It is not that cold. Okay. Well, but, yeah, you're in the United Club. Right. Hey, well, <laughs> we're still sitting outside. I mean, we were there for the Vikings game this year, and it was it was flipping cold, but you know what? We put our big coats on, we had hoodies. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. You get a little chilly. That's all right. Stand up and clap for heaven's sake. Yeah, I think it's part of being a I think it's part of the experience of being a Chicago Bears fan is that, yeah, it's cold, but we're Bear fans. Um, welcome to Chicago. I can go along with that. I love Soldier Field. I mean, I know the parking sucks. I know getting out of there sucks. No matter where you park, then you got to walk. Even if you park somewhere nice, then you got to walk to it. You know, uh, I live in Northwest Indiana, so I kind of I don't have to drive back through the city when the game's over. I'm driving to Indiana, so once I get to my car, then it's home home free to an extent, but, uh, you know, it also doesn't hurt that like in the morning when I leave to go to soldier field or the, the, the parking lot that we tailgate at, it takes me like 25 minutes to get there because nobody's on the road and you know, where I live is not far. So if they move to where they're talking about, that's going to add two and a half hours to my drive, you know, or two, you know, it's going to be a two and a half hour drive as opposed to a half hour drive or two hour drive, whatever. I love Soldier Field. Love it. It's like one of my homes. You know, Wrigley Field's one of my homes. Uh, used to be home of the Chicago Bears, and and Soldier Field is certainly one of my homes. But at the same time, I've been to the Cowboys Stadium. I've been to the Colts Stadium. I went to London and saw Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium. The Tottenham Stadium was amazing. Now they didn't have a roof. They had what uh, a bird's nest. Mm-hmm. Um, roof, so it kind of like cantilever, cantilevered over, but the playing, like it, it circled the playing field, but not the seats. So if it rained or snowed, I don't know. I'm sure it snows out there, but it doesn't hit the fans, but it, it'll hit the field. They didn't have a retractable roof. 
I liked that. I thought that was that'd be a good idea. I'm also completely for what Chris is saying, but no one's ever done it. Why I don't know, but put a retractable roof in there and open the thing up if it snows. So I'm all for sitting out there if it snows. I don't care, you know. If there's like drainage that has to be involved, you know, I I you know I'm no you know stadium building expert, but get get that done. That that'd be the best of both worlds. If it has to be a dome. You know, I I know it's sacrilegious as a Bears fan, but so be it. Like I said, I've been to the Colts stadium. I've been to the Cowboys stadium. I've been to some of the newer stadiums. And just the amenities in London, I know they don't have a roof, but just the amenities, the the, uh, concessions, the bathrooms, the way the seating layout is. I don't consider myself media. I'm a fan, even though I do some media stuff, you know, in different sports. Uh, but the media setup in London was like, they got the media at the Soldier Field way up in the sky. I have a better vantage point at Soldier Field than the media does, in my opinion. You know, I can get anywhere I want in the stadium. They got to be up in this, way up in this glass house up in the clouds. You know, they, they don't experience it the same. Well, in London, their 50-yard line, 30, 20 rows back of, you know, the field. So then you're really seeing the coaches yeah. interacting on the sideline. You're seeing everything. Now I think that's important for fans to have, like, I know oh, who gives it about the media. Well, this is half of your intake as a fan is what the media is covering and writing and reporting. Well, if they're not seeing it, then they can't report it as well. So uh, the media amenities, and then most first and foremost among past all of that stuff that I just brought up is the player amenities. If we want to be a first-class organization that players want to come here and play for, you got to give them the proper amenities to want to come here. You know, they see all these other stadiums and these locker rooms and these all the different stuff, and I know they've done amazing upgrades at Hallis Hall, so that's a step in the right direction. But the stadium conditions, field, locker room, everything else, you know, all the different things that I can't even think of, those also come into play for a free agent that wants to come play here or go to Vegas or the Rams. Now, I'm all for it out there in Arlington Heights, but let's keep an open mind to how they build the stadium and don't build it cheap. Don't you dare. If you're going to move it out off the lakefront, off the skyline view and, and all that beauty that is Soldier Field that I, I love and I don't care if other people hate it, if you're going to do it, you better do it right. You better do it the way the Rams did it and the Raiders did it or the Cardinals did it. I'm I'm with Greg on this. I obviously we need a new stadium. My God, just for a better playing surface for heaven's sakes. Um, but the player amenities and better media access and better for tailgating and that sort of thing. I would prefer to see it on the lakefront, but if they are going to build in Arlington Heights, um, I better start hearing numbers like $4 billion to right. build it because they better not cheap out on it. And get some bricklayers in there and give our guy, Greg, some work. I'd be happy to bricklay on it. When they were laying new brick at Wrigley, I was begging them to just let me go in there and lay a few for free. Like, just let me lay a couple for free. I will work for free. All right. So I called this episode Superfans. In my mind, there's just this level that a few people reach where – it's just it's it means more to them than just the average fan so you can call it you can use the full word fanatic or whatever um you can disagree with me maybe you don't think you're a super fan um i i kind of 
doubt that Greg's going to disagree with that. Like, what does that mean to you when someone would describe you as that? And obviously there's that SNL skit, you know, of the, you know, the, the, the all the guys, <laughs> the you know, skis. yeah, for eating polar sausage and, and, and all that. Obviously that's not what I mean. You know, what I mean is someone who it just, it, it means just that much more to them, but what does it mean to you guys to hear yourself called that or would you consider yourself that what does it mean to you i i think of the same skit i think of the snl skit i had to go in the office today and all, all my team was like what you didn't wear a bear shirt today right mm. they, they know they know that chris is a bears fan and it is part of my identity to be a bears fan but i think when we talk here we've all met on twitter i think you can be a super fan and not be a meatball and i think I try to do that, although sometimes I get a little emotional. Trying to be root for the colors, not necessarily for the guys, although you want to you wanna love those guys and you want them to win. Root for the colors, understand what they're trying to do, and be not too patient, but be patient. And one day in your lifespans, you too will get a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, super fans, heck yeah, I'll endorse that. I've got... Uh, in my office in the basement, I've got stuff on the wall. Uh, I own about 40 Bears t-shirts. I have Bears shoes. I have, you know, spend lots of money on doing Bears stuff. And yeah, yeah, I can accept that as an identity. I think it's a good question, Jeff. Heck yeah, I'm a Bears super fan. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think I'm a super fan. I mean, I'm a fanatic of every team I root for. I wear my heart on my sleeve for my teams. But I will say I don't think I'm better than any other fan, even the ones that don't watch as much or don't follow as much. I, you know, I'll have some fans like, oh, well, you know, like say things. like, And it is humbling to hear somebody like, you know, like Sylvie or somebody, you know, be like, oh, this is the biggest Bears fan I know. It's like, wow, like <laughs> I'm not, there's a million of me. There's, there's thousands of me, you know. I, I meet them every day. There's bigger Bears fans than me that follow this team way more closely. I, I move on to basketball, and then I move on to baseball, then I come back to football, then I move back to basketball. I mean, that's my life as a fan. There's some people that don't care about any of those other sports, have no idea what's going on in the baseball world. They literally follow the Bears 24-7, nonstop. I, to me, it's exhausting. I couldn't do that. Off-season talk, I just want to jump off a cliff sometimes here, you know, I, I can't do it. I'm I'm watching March Madness. I'm watching the NBA playoffs right now. You know the Cubs suck right now, but I'm watching the I'm watching baseball every day. You know I I so I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Bears fan in the world, but for who I am as a fan, yeah, I'm a I wouldn't say I'm a super fan, just like any other person that is diehard. You know that's the other word, diehard for their team. I'm a diehard Bears fan, and you know uh, my old bio used to read. A bricklayer and a diehard sports fan, nothing more, nothing less. And that's, that's who I am. And, and, you know, I, I root for the, the team and I root for the players and that's something that's evolved. You know, I, I enjoy the story, you know, I enjoy the journey. So I get invested in players. I want to see their climb, you know, and, and then you want to be the guy that's like, I knew it. I call, I knew this guy was going to be great, you know, and I, I that developed even more with the Bears going to training camp because I kind of learned, like, as I started going to camp in those early years, 
of the Urlacher, Mike Brown. Then they get Hester and, and Tillman and Briggs and all these guys. You want to see the stars, but then the more you go to camp, the more you root for the guys that can barely make the roster because they're out there. Like the, the guys that are on the team, they're in their, you know, training camp, you know, hats that you'd see, uh, you know, the summer hats that you'd see your locker and bring. They're just kind of messing around. I mean, they get to work when it was time, but it's not two a days like the old days. They're, they're taking care of the stars. It's the ones at the back end of the roster that are barely holding on to that 54, 55, 56 spot on the team that you really root for. I mean, I, I so many different names, but some of the more recent guys, you know, I know Josh Bellamy got in some trouble recently, uh, um, you know, um, with the law, but he was somebody that I loved to root for at camp. He really busted his butt to make the team every year. He carved out a special team spot and he had energy every day he came to camp. And I appreciated that as a fan, you know, people make fun of me about Tanner Gentry. He's on the bills right now. I loved watching him go out there and compete because he really, he's killing himself to stay in the league, you know, and, so I love rooting for those little stories. And when they turn into something bigger, it makes it all the more cooler. Cause you're like, yeah, I watched that guy when nobody cared about him and he'd walk by and you didn't even know who he was. And you know, then, you know, Tariq Cohen's rookie year. Most people didn't know who he was. I I'm yelling Tariq. He's like, he looked over like, wow, somebody knows my name. It's like, what's up, man. I think you're going to be great. I, I think you're going to be like the next Devin Hester of this team. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, good luck. And then you have that interaction as a fan at Cam. That was what was so special about Bourbonnet. And then you start really rooting for that person individually, not just the team. Obviously, you're going to root for the team and you want the championship and all the success that makes you proud to be a Bears fan. But those little things, you know, I love to root for the story too. And then you see what you know, Tariq came out with, with his story of what he's going through personally. And that just kind of, you know, I appreciate how he kind of pulled open the covers for us fans to see. A lot of fans don't realize that stuff is going on. They just look at the numbers. They look at, you know, the player and, and the, and the, and, and there's a bigger picture to that. And like I said, when you go to training camp and you see them walking off the field, yeah, like Andy Dalton annoyed me last year. But when he'd walk off the field and his kids and his wife walk up to him and he's hugging them and, you know, you're standing in the stands and you're watching that, you know, there's a bigger picture that you have to appreciate too. I mean, some fans are just a little more cold-blooded about it and that's fine. doesn't make me a better fan that I appreciate those little things. If that's how you want to watch sports, that's how we all watched sports in the 90s. None of us had access like that. So we all just looked at it like we're playing a video. You know, it's like a video game. But these are human beings too. So, you know, you root for them. You know, I, I, I it's, it's a tough balance because then once it becomes a writing on the wall situation, then you have to be honest and objective about it. So, you know, um, there's also been players I've hated, right? You know, uh, Jamarcus Webb <laughs> was at camp loafing around and then writing poems on Twitter, <laughs> the early days of Twitter. Frank Omial one time, you know, I don't heckle players as much at camp, you know, but Frank Omial one time fell over on a screen and they weren't tackling in practice. And 
you know, this I just want good old line play like the 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 2006 Bears, and now I got Frank Omia falling over. They're not even practice, you know, they're not even tackling. And I'm like, Frank, you know, how are we falling over on a screen when we're not tackling? You know, I that's stuff I used to say to fans. So I I can I can dish it, but at the same time, I'd prefer to root for the guys, be positive for them, encourage them. I've heard some nasty things yelled at players as they walk walk into the tunnel at halftime or walk, you know, in after a loss or coming out after a four-game losing streak when they're coming out for the next game. I've heard some pretty awful things yelled at Mitch. I've heard some pretty awful things yelled at Eddie Jackson. Eddie takes it personally. I'll see it. I'll be sitting close to the field. Somebody will say something real nasty. Eddie turns around and gives him a look. He doesn't like it, you know, and you 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 they're paid to take that stuff, but they're human beings too. So it's like, you know, just for me as a fan, I try to be encouraging, I try to be positive. But yeah, I was also the guy chanting fire Nagy all year last year. So <laughs> it's a weird balance as a fan. It really is, but at, I try to be as positive as I possibly can be. And yeah, I I'm completely invested in this team. I spend a lot of money to go to these games. I, I go to spend a lot of time going to these games, which is money cost because I could be doing something productive as opposed to just, you know, uh, feeding my fan habits. But yeah, that's what makes me a, a diehard and a super fan, but it also doesn't make me any better than any fan that can't do any of those things and can only follow the content they get online. Final thoughts, wherever you want to take it. Uh, gosh, um, I'm excited for the season. I, I get excited for every season. I I actually think we're going to see some addition by subtraction this year. If you look at last year, honestly, we, we probably should have won nine games. We, re- we really should have had the coaching been competent easily nine games. I, I think our, I think our floor this year is eight. Um, I think possibly you could win 10 if everything goes well. And if Justin is the guy we think he is, and if Borum and um, Tevin hold up well, and if we find a right guard. So I, I think if the pieces come together, what what I would like to see is maybe something um, akin to 2009, where you can't expect this team to start out of the gate being a good team because they're also new. Um, and it's a new system and new flow and everything working together. But what I'd like to see is for that to build. And by the time we get into November, December, you're thinking, hey, we have got a team here. This team is going to play for some serious playoffs next year. That's what I would like to see. Uh, yeah, my final thought is that I, I appreciate you inviting me on. You know, like I said, it's always humbling when people consider me, you know, to give my thoughts, you know, I'm, you know, I, I always kind of laugh, you know, when I first started all this stuff, I'm like, nobody wants to hear what I have to say, but for some reason, some people do. So that's cool and, and fun. And, and it's also humbling too. So thank you for inviting me on and, and bringing me on with my nemesis, Chris, who's my balance. You know, she's my Twitter balance. When I start to get off kilter, she always puts me in I check. I actually know about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, honestly, I just do it to annoy him. That works too. <laughs> but and he does you know, the same thing to me. Actually. I enjoy the sparring and, and we both don't know how to not, we have to get the last word in. So that's why it never ends because we're both getting the last word in for eternity. 
But um, Hope Springs Eternal is probably the 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 thought, you know, if this is the Hopium Den, you know, and that's always, you know, everyone always thinks Hope Springs Eternal, you know, uh, you know, is a saying for spring training, which is more apropos because it's in spring or coming to spring. Uh, but for me, training camp is always that, you know, and right now I'm keeping my expectations low and, and, but then as soon as training camp comes around by the second week, I'm figuring out how they can win 10 games like Chris already has, you know, right now I've got them at six wins, but by training camp, the hype of training camp will probably pump that to eight or nine. And then, you know, if they win a couple games early in the season, steal a couple games, then I'm figuring out how they can win 11 games, you know, and that's just kind of how the process goes for me as a fan. Um, but as of right now, I'm keeping my expectations low. Uh, we, we, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm excited to get to camp, to see these guys, to see the new coaching staff, how they work with the players, how the players react to them. I hope to see a, a new focus to the team, a more serious approach. It was club dub was fun in its moment. And then it went stale real quick. So I want to see a more business-like professional approach this time. You know, everybody wins different ways. Not saying you can't win by having fun. Just wasn't working here. They need to switch it up. You know, um, so I'm, I'm all for all business. Everyone, you know, uh, taking this much more seriously because it just hasn't been that fun arguing about mediocre football for the last three years. I want to get back to beating our chest with pride about the tough ass team that we root for. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing is something in that regard. So, you know, uh, Justin Fields is my, my biggest hope of this hopium den. Let's hope that he can take that next step and show us even more. And they'll have a whole lot of money next year to spend. They've got the foundational building blocks to start. Justin will get the eyes. Oh, this team's coming. Like Chris said, this team could be something next year. Well, then players will want to come here. And oh, by the way, we have a first round pick finally next year too. So you start to add all these bullets and then your, 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 your gun is firing off next year, you know, and you know, maybe it's a year early. Maybe we get lucky and they, they, they play hard enough to, to find their way into eight, nine wins late in the season. And all of a sudden, you know, with 17 games and extra teams making the playoffs in each conference, it kind of keeps everybody in the hunt for a, a longer time than it was before. So, you know, maybe they can stay in the playoff hunt. That'd be great. But, um, you know, right now I'm keeping my expectations ho- low and I'm going to um, keep an open mind about whatever they're trying to do, player acquisition or positional changing, how they want to play Roquan or whatever. I'm going to let them do their thing and then I'll save my criticism for later, you know, and and right now I'm just going to stay optimistic and, and, and keep my eyes on Justin Fields and company. And that was my conversation with Greg and Chris. Thank you so much to both of them. Both, I think you will agree, are super fans. They may not show up at an SNL skip, but they definitely wear that badge proud. And I was really happy to have that conversation with them. I thought it was really fun. We've got some really fun stuff planned here in the second half of the series. Stick with us. Again, every Wednesday, new episodes will release. And until next time, bear down.